Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Acts Acts chapter 2, verse 37. We're going to read out loud all together as a family. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift for the is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, what you have to know is that he was talking about both the Jews and the Gentiles. He was talking to the Jewish listeners and he said, this promise, the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you're asking questions about, it is for you and it's for your kids. And it is also for those who are afar off, which is the Gentiles, which is us in Nashville, 2023 today. It's for me, it's for you, it's for us. Verse 40, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word and were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Somebody say revival. I had a title for this message that was really long and Todd gave me a better one. And so the title of the message is Coming Under the Cloud. Coming Under the Cloud. My original title was Getting Under the Outpour of What God is Doing Right Now. It was long, it was descriptive, I just didn't have anything better. And then the psalmist said, I think Coming Under the Cloud might be a a better title and he was right. So the minstrel said, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the promise of the father. We thank you for the outpouring. God, today we position our hearts under the flow of the anointing and we receive all that you have for us, God, and we ask that you would increase it in this house this morning in Jesus' name, that you would bless us and our families and that it would pour forth from this sanctuary and that it would get deeper the further we go from it. Lord, we're asking for rivers, rivers. We're asking for waters of your spirit so deep we can swim in them. God, that's what we're asking for, God. We don't want to touch. We want an outpouring. We don't want a visitation, God. We want a habitation. Come here and stay, Lord. Come here and sit down. Be enthroned upon the praises of your people today. We're so grateful for your presence. We love your mighty spirit. You're holy. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, you may be seated on your way to your seat. Tell your neighbor, say, get under the cloud. Tell the other neighbors, say, because it's about to rain. Some of y'all didn't believe that. Come on, tell somebody, say, it's about to rain. (laughs) 
How many of you guys were here last week? 14 people. I'm so happy y'all were here. I don't know what we would do if everybody came on the same Sunday. We have to open up the windows, have church in the parking lot. Last Sunday, pastor, I can say that now, pastor Brian Nira preached a fantastic word about the opportunity in the outpouring. And what he did was he actually answered a question. And that question was, what does this mean? You'll notice in Acts chapter two, when there's an outpouring of the promise of the father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and believers in Jesus began to speak in other tongues as the spirit provides utterance. The Jewish worshipers, they come near to the upper room and they say, what does this mean? What does this mean? And Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, stands up, takes stage, and begins to preach a gospel message about Joel and Jesus and answers the question. He says to them, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel 350 years ago. Now, of course, he has their attention. They're all Jewish listeners. They're thinking to themselves, you mean to tell me the very thing that the prophet Joel prophesied centuries ago, this is that? Whenever God said through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You are telling me, Apostle Peter, this is that? And the Apostle Peter, he pointed to scripture and he said, this is that. Witness it. Be a part of it. And then he proceeded to move to his next portion of the sermon and he began to talk, not from Joel, but he began to preach about Jesus. And he preaches in 14 verses of scripture a succinctly perfect message on the day that the church was born all about Jesus as the son of God, the Messiah. And if you will watch how the apostles preach after this message is released by Peter, it is used as a pattern for New Testament preaching all throughout the Bible. Now, if I got some preachers in here, you're gonna wanna pay attention to these points because what the apostle Peter did was he gave us eight points about Jesus that make up a phenomenal Jesus sermon. You guys want the eight points? You can take a picture if you want. The pattern of Peter's Jesus message, eight essential facts about Jesus. Since I didn't read it, I thought I would at least give you the points. Peter stands up and here's what he says. Jesus, number one, is sinless. Number two, he's perfect. Number three, you crucified him. Think about the boldness of the apostle Peter. 50 days prior, he was so scared that he would not even admit to following Jesus to a teenage girl. And now 50 days later, something has changed. What has changed? He has been baptized. He has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he has tenacity. If you're fearful, you need to be baptized. He stands up and he says, this same Jesus whom you have crucified. He was crucified, point three. Point four, he, was, he has resurrected. Point five, he's exalted. Point six, he's ascended. Point seven, he's enthroned. 
And point eight, he's glorified. That's who Jesus is, a powerful Jesus message and what happens as a result, which is the second question. In Acts chapter two, the Jews asked two questions. Number one, what does this mean? And in Acts chapter two, they ask a second question, which is, what shall we do? What does this mean and what shall we do? That is an appropriate and holy response to a Jesus sermon. I might even say it is one of the best ways that we should listen to sermons, a part of the modern church. What does this mean and what shall I do? What does this mean and what shall I do? Because there's always personal responsibility that comes with an impartation from the Holy Spirit. What does this mean and what shall I do? They listened to the sermon and the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart, which is what happens to people when we present Jesus properly and powerfully. They get cut to the heart. They may not admit it with their words, but deep down in the dark crevices of their heart, they're like, oh, I know there is something about that man that I need to discover. I don't have what I need in this life. There is something that I need to know. There is something that I need to do because the kind of life that they are articulating, I'm hungry for it. I need it. Cut to the heart. The Greek term there is to agitate violently. And that's what conviction is. It's a violent agitation of your spirit to say God has more available to you. It is not condemnation, it's conviction. Satan condemns, Holy Spirit convicts. Condemnation says you're terrible, you're bad, you're, you'll never be righteous, you're a dirty sinner, you'll never get fixed, Jesus doesn't love you. In fact, he's turned his back on you, you might as well quit and give up today. You're done, you're finished. Conviction says, you're way too awesome to be acting like this. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let go of this sin and come to me. There's conviction that takes place. And as a result, they ask that question. Brothers, what shall we do? Notice the same people who crucified Jesus 50 days prior are now addressing the apostles as brothers. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. We see people who otherwise would be fighting and kept separate, they come together, which is why every time we see a revival, it involves diversity. Brothers, what should we do? Oh, your family now? Yeah, when revival is poured out and the Holy Spirit shows up, we stop comparing our differences and we begin to embrace one another for our similarities, mainly that we have all been bought by the blood of Jesus. And in Christ, there is no difference, neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile or male or female or free or slave. It's we're all together. So you're starting to see, you know, the initial stages of the church being formed as they say, brothers, what are we supposed to do? Their heart posture before God is right. They're humbly asking, how do I get saved? How can I be pardoned of my guilt? I'm a sinner. I helped to crucify the Messiah. How can I be set free of my sin? They're also asking, how do I come under the cloud? How do I posture my heart to receive an outpouring from the Holy Spirit? And even though they don't know it, they're asking, how do I join the church? I wanna be a part of the body. I wanna be in Christ. And the answer to those questions is in Acts chapter two, verse 38. The apostle Peter in Acts chapter two, verse 38 says, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I heard this message preached every single Sunday in my tiny holiness Pentecostal church in the sticks of West Kentucky. Every single week. Because this is like what, this is their main scripture. Acts 2.38, the 2.38 experience in Jesus' name. Praise God. Repent. I mean, they'd go off every single Sunday sermon. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Like they didn't even say ghost. It was just Holy Ghost. And when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they'd be like, he got it. He got it. What'd I get? You got the Holy Ghost. Y'all didn't grow up like me. I can already tell right now. Y'all didn't grow up like me. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, they start. That's it. That's it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. That's what happens. That's what happens. You're pretending like, I don't want to engage in this. And then what happens, one of the women from the ladies auxiliary will come get you by the ear and bring you to the altar and say, son, you're going to pray through. Pray through what? You're going to pray through that flesh and you're going to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's, I, I'm just, that's just how I grew up. And to be honest now, I'm grateful for Aunt Nellie because she was the one who used to come and get me. Aunt Nellie, bless her heart. If you want to get under the outpour of what God is doing right now, and God is doing some special things, church. God is doing some special things in this hour. If you want to get under the outpour of what God is doing right now, you're gonna have to do three things. Peter gives them to us in verse 38. The first one is, Repent. Everybody say repent. That's the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to repent. If you look at the Amplified Bible in verse 38, it talks about repentance like this. Repentance means to change your views. It means to change your purpose. It means to accept the will of God in your inner self instead of rejecting it. Far too long, we've looked at repentance like a magic trick. Like it's like, I repent, abracadabra. I'm set free and now I don't have to do anything else other than say those two words, I repent. No, repentance means to change your mind and to change your will. And it means to proactively turn away from sin and intentionally turn towards God and his righteousness. So. We're not just saying words, but we're changing our mind and it's followed by us changing our behaviors. Are you with me? This is why John the Baptist said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, right? Because repentance should show up in our behavior, not just in our murmured prayers in the pew on Sunday morning. Repent. If you wanna come under the cloud, we need to start with 
repentance, and it needs to happen deep within ourselves. It's not... It's not just us pretending outwardly, it's us allowing the Holy Spirit to come into us and rearrange how we think about God and how we think about life. The first thing we're gonna have to do to come under the cloud is repent. To be a part of Christ's bride eternally, we know we have to repent. But if you wanna be a part of what Christ is doing currently, you also need to repent. If you've never repented of your sin and turned to God before, today is your day. But maybe you've been saved for decades, but you haven't repented in a while. Can I say to you as well, today may also be your day too. We should not ask and expect God to pour out over us a fresh move of the Holy Spirit if we are unwilling to repent. God, I want more of you. I want the outpouring. I want revival. I want change. And God says, I want you to change. No. It's amazing like how we pretend to surrender in church. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes. You know, we we sing songs. um, I give you all. I don't, is that a song? I mean, it's just. Oh, of you all of my worship, fall fire. And we're like all in it, you know? And then you get in the car and the Lord's like, I want all that time you spend on Netflix. I don't give you all, don't give you all. I was just talking about Sunday, Lord. If we're gonna ask for all of him, we should be willing to present all of us. Presenting our members, as Paul says later, to righteousness. And if you're in the room today and you are harboring any hidden sin, I'm not calling anybody out, but I want you to know that today, today is an opportunity to renounce it and get free of it. Today is the day to come into the light and renounce it and get free of it. Repentance preceded the outpouring in Acts chapter two. Why would we think that repentance would not precede outpouring in 2023? It's it's interesting to me that everybody prays for breakthrough, but nobody wants to be broken. Put the breaker anointing on me, Holy Ghost. Give me breakthrough, I want breakthrough. And the Lord's like, I am speaking to you and I am asking you to be broken and contrite in your spirit so that you can drop everything I've never asked you to carry so that you can take hold of everything I want to pour out into your life. We're like, God, open a door into my new season. And he does, but we can't get through the door because we're carrying all of the baggage from our old season and we just keep running into it. I'm waiting on my new season. Holy Spirit's like, I'm waiting on you to repent. I've got a promise. Yes, you do. Are you, are you gonna let go of what God never asked you to carry so that you can pick up the promise that the Holy Spirit wants to give to you? If you want more of God, ask God what more he wants of you. If you want more of God, ask God what more he wants of you and where he convicts you, repent. 
Repentance always precedes outpouring. You know what I love about the Asbury revival? Is that the outpouring was preceded by repentance. Not everybody realizes that because a lot of times when we see things on social media, we think, oh, God showed up and it was powerful and awesome and it came whenever somebody sang a song perfectly. They played the chord that pleases the Lord and then the Holy Ghost came down. Or better yet, it was a sermon. It was a message and it was the best message. It was none of that. I don't know if you guys watched the original chapel service of the Asbury Revival. I did, I watched it on Friday after it happened on Wednesday. And I was expecting for this like supernatural spontaneous move to come out of nowhere. I was like looking for an Acts chapter two, suddenly. And I, I really didn't see it. I mean, when I watched the worship, I watched a bunch of college students that had just gotten up out of bed that seemed a bit dejected and detached. They were like, So I'm waiting, I'm like, when did the revival start? Come on, what's gonna happen? Right, and they go through all the worship and I'm like, okay, great. Like, it, like I'm not being mean at all. I'm not being mean at all. We, li- we live in Nashville. So there's so many talented musicians and artists in our city. Like I could point to like any church in our city and say, they had better church today than Asbury had that Wednesday morning in that chapel when the revival began. If I was looking at it purely from the standpoint of externals, that's what I would say because even as the worship went along, it was like they were just kind of like, I don't think I saw a single hand lifted. I don't think I saw one student raise their voice in worship. Maybe they did, I just couldn't see it on the live stream. And when the worship was over, they were like, okay, great, we're done. They walk off, the preacher walks up. He's like, hey, what's up guys, good to see you. He shows some videos from his Instagram talks about love from Romans chapter 12. He prays a prayer and he says, okay, see ya. Walks off the stage and then the next band gets up and they start to sing and they turn the live stream off. So I was thinking to myself, well, when did the revival start? You know, surely something had to happen. There had to have been somebody who did something that caused the bowls of heaven to tip and the Holy Spirit to pour out on that chapel. Well, come to find out there was something that happened and that was when a student confessed sin openly. Repentance precedes outpouring. A student stood up and said, hey, I need to confess this. Like the service was over. And then as a result of the repentance, the Holy Spirit began to move. And then now we have what we see as the Asbury revival, which has been happening for the last couple of weeks, which I think is awesome. It's awesome because it happened and it's awesome because it happened in Kentucky. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, that's what you're thinking when you look at the town. I'm not even saying a city, it's actually a village. It's just a bit bigger than where I'm from. It's got one Burger King, that's it. How do I know? I used to preach there a lot in my early 20s to a church of like 40 people. So I know about Wilmore. I've been to Asbury's Chapel before. And when the Holy Spirit began to move a couple of weeks ago, I felt that God spoke to me and said, I released it in Wilmore because my will is more. Oh, okay. This is not supposed to stop with Asbury. This is supposed to be something that this generation stewards. And I believe we are seeing that. But it's amazing what God did there. By the way, Kentucky has 120 counties in the state. It is the upper room state. 
So you should expect outpourings to continue to happen in Kentucky. That's where William Branham is from. That's where the Cane Ridge revival happened. That's how we get our term camp meeting. Don't sleep on Kentucky. And y'all pray for the Kentucky Wildcats in Jesus' name. A refusal to repent actually holds us back from what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life today. We cannot refuse to repent. We cannot ask for all of him when we're only willing to give him a portion of ourselves. We never outgrow repentance. It does not matter how long you've been living for God. It, maybe it's been decades that you've been in church, but you never mature beyond repentance. Never needing to repent is not a manifestation of spiritual maturity. Repenting faster is a manifestation of spiritual maturity. Let me ask you, how long after you sin does it take you to repent? Because the distance between those two points is what informs you of how mature you actually are spiritually. You're close enough to the Holy Spirit to understand I've grieved him, I've offended him, I've quenched him, I repent, wash my hands, clean my heart. I wanna be close to you. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. I want you to remember something. Repentance is the door into more. If you're asking God for more, God is speaking to you, repent. When God gets ready to do something new with you, he starts with your repentance. Repentance prepares, repentance qualifies you for what's next. And whenever we repent, God pours out new wine. This is the way it's always been. If you look throughout the New Testament, what did John the Baptist begin his ministry with? Repent. Whenever Jesus came teaching, how did he start his ministry? Matthew chapter four, repent. What happens on the first day of the church's existence? The apostle Peter stands up and he preaches, repent. All throughout the book of Acts, the apostles continue to preach, repent, Acts chapter 20, Acts 26. Even later in the epistles, whenever the apostle Paul talks about the foundational principles of the doctrine of Jesus, he says this in Hebrews chapter six, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of what? Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And this is also the way it works. Repent, believe. Repent, believe. Repent, believe. If you're thinking, I don't have the faith that I need, repent and have faith. Repentance precedes outpouring. We cannot overlook the power of personal repentance and its intricate connection to our transformation and our fellowship with the Holy Spirit because the two go together. Repentance is the true genesis of personal transformation. We've got to start with repentance. If you want to be changed, repent. God is so faithful to convict us of where we've grieved his heart. And if we want to get under the outpour of what God is doing right now, we must be faithful to repent. Isaiah 55 said it like this, seek the Lord while he may be found. And I, I genuinely sense that church, this is a season that the Holy Spirit wants to hunt. I want to ask you, give the Holy Spirit a flashlight and let him go searching in your inner person and say, God, search me, right? What did David say? Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you. You know, a lot of times we think we only need to repent of the things that would keep us out of heaven after we die. 
No, we need to repent of anything that gets in the way of heaven coming today while we live. Anything that gets in the way, I repent of it. I don't, I don't I wanna be a part of it now. I'm not just trying to stay out of hell. I'm trying to have heaven now. Now, faith, I'm trying to have heaven today. I'm trying to have an outpouring today. I'm trying to see revival today. I don't wanna just listen to testimonies from yesteryear. I wanna witness an outpouring of the Holy Spirit through our generation in 2023. And it's not gonna happen as we postulate and pretend that we're holier than thou. It's gonna happen when we get broken, when we put our foreheads on the carpet and we say, God, move on me, break me, make me contrite and broken in my heart. I don't care what you need to do. Uproot anything out of me that offends you. I want to know you and nothing will be tolerable in my life. Listen, righteousness is not the result of just saying yes to God one time on the day of your salvation. Yes, we get it in Christ Jesus as a result of being saved, but, but daily righteousness, church, it's the result of micro decisions. Micro decisions. It's the decisions that you have to make when nobody's looking because nobody else is awake. It's 3 a.m., the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and you're thinking, I gotta go to work at six. And he says, I want you to get up and I want you to begin to pray. That right there is intimacy with God. That right there is micro-righteousness. I just made that up. I, I, that's what I call it in my own life. That's what I call it in my own life. It could be the little things, man, micro-righteousness. It's like I'm walking over, I, you know, I open my trash can, I throw something in and it's full. And I say to myself, Allison will get it. Holy Spirit's like, hey, bro, she didn't see it. You saw it. Empty the trash. That's micro-righteousness. I know for some of y'all, y'all might be thinking, what, that's crazy. No, micro-righteousness. It's, it's little things like, man, I'm so tired. I say, I go to bed. Holy Spirit's like, you know you're supposed to have that boy brush his teeth. Dennis done told you this. Yeah, micro-righteousness. I'm telling you, God cares about the little stuff. He cares about the little stuff. We want the big stuff and he points at the little stuff. He says, if you want the big stuff, you're gonna have to do the little stuff well. I reward good stewards, not squanderers. I reward sons, not performers. I know you stunting on Sunday, but I need to know how you're gonna handle the Holy Spirit on Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. whenever you wanna sit down and watch YouTube and he says, pick up the Bible. I'm telling you, if you want to be anointed, I just want to ask you how bad? How bad? How badly do you want to stand under the outpour of what the Holy Spirit is pouring out right now? How hungry are you? Hungry enough not to eat for a day? How hungry? I mean, it's good that we allow the Holy Spirit to investigate us. Say, search me, God. Search me. I'm not trying to be just as righteous as my friend group. I'm not looking to the left and to the right and say, well, as long as I'm as spiritual as my friends, I'm good. We're not looking to our friends to compare righteousness. We're looking at Christ Jesus. And we're saying, until I look like you, I'm not getting off the potter's wheel. I've not matured beyond repentance. I need to repent. You with me? All right, I'm over time, but I'm a tell you two other points. The second one is water baptism. Something you need to know about water baptism is it's not a polite suggestion. 
It's actually a command from Jesus, who, by the way, is God. <laughs> ignoring Jesus is ignoring God. But we love to get nostalgic about Jesus, right? We print out posters of the Beatitudes and on papyrus and burn the edges with a lighter. Hang it up in a frame from Kirkland's. Over the mantle. Everybody comes in, we point to it. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful words. Getting nostalgic about Jesus is the religious way of ignoring Jesus. It's not, it's not an option. It's not a polite suggestion. There's no gray area when it comes to water baptism. Jesus said in the Great Commission, when you make a disciple, baptize him. Jesus, Peter is preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit in obedience to Jesus. He makes 3,000 disciples and guess what happens to all 3,000? They get baptized. They get water baptized. So if you have not been water baptized and you are saved, can I encourage you, sign up for baptism. I'll put the QR code in the notes. Sign up for baptism. You gotta get baptized, right? Because baptism, just like repentance, is actually a precondition to receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Get baptized, get baptized. Don't, don't, let, don't let anybody talk you out of it either. Get baptized. And if you've been baptized before and you feel like, no, I need to get baptized again, you can get baptized again. There's nothing in scripture that says that you cannot. I got baptized once when I was seven and I got baptized again when I was 21 when I really got saved because I got baptized when I was seven because my cousin got baptized and I didn't want to be left out. You know, I, I went down a center, came up a wet one. It was just, you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, you know, I, I didn't care. I just want to be a part of the party. And when I was 21, I felt conviction from the Holy Spirit. I said, I need water baptized. I've repented of my sin. I need to be water baptized. And I got water baptized again in India when I lived there as a missionary. I felt led by the Holy Spirit to get baptized there. And I expected it to be this holy moment. And they actually created like this custom outfit for me. It was all white because that's what they do there. And like, you know, we all got in the river. And then fish started biting me. I was like, just hurry up. I don't even, like, just hurry up. I don't care. Just go ahead and dunk me, bro. We'll have the moment on the shoreline. All right, here's number three and we're done. Get under the outpour and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a free gift. Um, I don't know if you guys would know this word, to tarry. You know what that word means? To tarry, to wait. If you look at all the prayer meetings that happened in Acts chapter two, there was one meeting where they tarried. Every other meeting they received. Every other meeting they received. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever tarry. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever wait. I'm not saying that we never have to war, but the one thing we definitely do not have to war for is the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus has already given it to us. And he said that it was a gift. And he said that if we would ask for it, he would give it to us because he's better than our natural fathers who when we ask them for bread, don't give us a stone. He said, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of me? So receive it, receive it like a gift on Christmas. 
The Holy Spirit is freely available to the repentant and to the obedient. The Holy Spirit is available to you. If you want the Holy Spirit and you wanna get under the outpour of what God is doing right now, you must take a proactive approach to receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a passive acquisition. It's not like I don't have to do anything and I got everything that I ever needed. No, it is, it's an active appropriation. We gotta go after it. That's how we receive promises. We receive them by faith and by taking action. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You wanna get under the outpour of what God's doing right now. You wanna come under the cloud. It can't just be a passive acquisition. You need to be proactive about promises that God has placed before your life and by faith, take hold of them. Take hold of them. We're ready for that. Are you ready for that? Everybody let's say, we're ready. All right, last thing, I got an acrostic for ready. If you're ready to receive and get under the outpour of what God is doing, I got, here it is. R, repent. E, expect. A, ask. D, drink. See, I knew somebody was gonna say something about drink. We got too many charismatics in the room. Hey, hey, don't think, just drink. That's not just a Pentecostal phrase. Jesus said in John chapter seven, if anybody's thirsty, let them come unto me and drink their fill. You know, drinking requires action, intentionality. You've got to be proactive if you're going to drink. Drink. And why is yield? Yield. Yield to the Holy Spirit. That's the beautiful thing about tongues, in my opinion, is it's hard to do when you're not yielded. You, you stop trying to figure things out and you say, God, I'm ready. I will repent. I expect, I ask you, God, I ask you, I ask you, I ask you. And I'm gonna keep knocking on that door till it opens up. I ask you, I ask you, I ask you, God, I, place me under the outpour of what you're doing in this hour. I'm gonna continue to drink everything that you're pouring out, even if it seems bitter at first, even if it's from the cup of suffering, I'm gonna continue to drink because I want everything that you have for me, everything that you have for me. And I'm telling you right now, if you're gonna inherit all of the promises that God has placed upon your life, you're gonna drink a little bit from the cup of suffering. But here's what's great about the cup of suffering. The cup of suffering is also the cup of joy. It's the same cup and we yield. And we yield. This is what Heidi used to tell us all the time. If you want to be fully filled, fully yield. If you want to be fully filled, fully yield. So here's what I want to do as I close. If you guys don't mind, let's stand up. As I close, I just want to pray over that repentance portion real quick. And as we pray about this, I really want to ask you, please, to invite the Holy Spirit to search a little bit in your soul and ask him, just like Psalm 139, search in me, O God, if there be any, notice he called it a hidden thing. Sometimes we don't even know what it might be. It's hidden from us. It's hidden from our natural mind, but it is not hidden from the mind of Christ. And so we're asking right now, Holy Spirit, if you don't mind, just 
I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, but we're asking the Holy Spirit right now, search me, God. Search me. Search me, God. Search me, God. Search me, God. Search me, God. I don't want to just be a believer. I want to be an intimate. I don't don't want to just be called a Christian. I want to be a lover of Jesus. Be so deeply connected to the Holy Spirit. Search me. Search me. If there is anything in me that offends you, put the light of the Holy Spirit on it right now. And if there's anything that you are hearing, I just want to invite you to repent of that. You don't have to do it out loud. You don't have to say anything to anybody. But if the Holy Spirit is bringing something up right now, that you know you need to repent of, I just want to invite you right now, just repent and very intentionally make a decision right now that you're going to turn away from that and you're going to give it to God and turn towards Him. Now, that may mean you need to change your schedule. That may mean you need to change your phone number. That may mean you need to unfollow some people off of social media. That may mean that you need to take a particular type of action and I wanna pray right now for courage to fill your spirit from God's spirit to take every action needed to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That ain't serving you at all anyway, let it go. That ain't blessing you at all anyway, let it go. That ain't pushing you towards your destiny at all anyway, let it go. Church, the hour is now to get tenacious about what God wants to do in us. The hour is now to get aggressive. You owe it to your descendants to get aggressive about your holy purpose. You owe it to your children. You owe it to the next generation. You owe it to the future church. You owe it to this country, to the countries of the world. You owe it. You owe it. Like, like we have to take that level of personal responsibility and recognize that, it, that it's... It's not our lack of, you know, being a part of great events that's holding back a move of God. It's our lack of repentance. Come on, we gotta, we gotta do the real work. The real work. Search me, God. Search me, God. And if there is something that you, see, I, I'm talking about stuff you may not know about. Some of us in the room, we got stuff we know about. Renounce that thing. And you, you can just easily say, just Jesus, I renounce whatever that might be. I repent of my sin. I ask for your grace and forgiveness. I turn from it, I turn towards you, and I turn toward the future you have for me in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you right now for taking every weight, every sin that easily besets us, removing it from us, and allowing us to look towards Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's who you are, Lord. We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. The only reason we have hope is because of Jesus. The only reason I have a future is because of Jesus. The only reason that I have strength in my body is because of Jesus. The only reason that I'm an overcomer is because of the blood of Jesus. The only reason that heaven is my home is because of the blood of Jesus. I should be dead in a ditch somewhere but Jesus. But Jesus. But Jesus. But Jesus. But Jesus. If you redeem my soul from the pit of hell you can take this thing that's been agitating me without any tension without any problems you're you you're the arm of the lord is not too short to save you can do it you can do it so give it to him church give it to him church lord we want to be a part of what you're doing and we're not going to tolerate anything getting in the way of that
In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. 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 Come on, let's bless the Lord together. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.